taken a oh pretty on Selamat pagi. So scripture is an important part of our lives as we know and uh, we shouldn't just rush through it on our lives. We want to bake in it, you know, so to speak. And we've talked a lot about the need to be immersed in it every single day of our lives. Um, you know, as Dallas Willard said to us last week, uh, and I love this, this quote, so I'm going to tell you it again. He said, to dribble a few verses or chapters of Scripture on oneself throughout the week, in church or out, will not reorder one's mind and spirit just as one drop of water Every five minutes will not give you a shower. No matter how long you keep it up, you need a lot of water at once and for a sufficiently long time. Similarly, similarly that's a hard word to say. Similarly, for the written word of God. And um, so uh, today I want to ask a few questions. Uh, you know, is it necessary to memorize scripture? I knew this guy at my former church where I pastored who memorized the whole book of Hebrews. You know, it was amazing. I had another guy there actually that memorized the whole New Testament. I was pretty impressed by that one. And uh, so, you know, is it necessary to memorize Scripture? And do you memorize Scripture, right? Um, Scripture memory has a long history in the church as this form of spiritual formation. It's a practice that people have been uh, doing for, you know, centuries. And it has this great benefit in our lives. But what can it do for you? What does it really do for you? What, you know, what good is memorizing Scripture? Isn't that just rote memory and kind of silly and stupid? But I want you to take a look at this video, and Todd's going to cue this up for us. And I have to uh, apologize. The video, we couldn't download the video for legal reasons and blah, 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 but we can play it off the Internet. But for, because of our programs, we can't get it up full screen, so you're only going to see a small thing. But this is from, uh, it's called Seeds of Scripture. It's Her name is... Go ahead. <laughs> no, that's all right. Uh, well, her name is Phyllis Hendry, and it's called Seeds of Scripture, and uh, it's on Right Now Media, which you can get a free account for uh, through our church on our website. And uh, she talks about the benefit of memorizing Scripture as a young girl. So let's take a look. This is a little bit lengthy, so... We're going to take some time. Sorry, am I on now? Okay. What an incredible story. I kind of jerked a tear when I first saw it. Um, Psalm 19, where we're at today, Psalm 19 helps us to understand, uh, like Phyllis just told us, of uh, the benefit of having Scripture embedded sort of in our memory, in our hearts, in our, in our minds, uh, and, and a firm grasp on God's Word makes it available to us, you know, and ready to us anytime that we're, we're out in life, right? You know, we may not have a Bible with us. We not, may not be able to pull something up on our phone or whatever. But uh, this is what we're talking about today, the simple act of memorization. Open your Bibles to page 376. Uh, the Pew Bible's there, page 376 to Psalm 19. We're going to begin in verse 7. And we're going to read through verse 11. So page 376, Psalm 19, verse 7 through 11. And it says this, The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, 
enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. By them your servant is warned, in keeping them there is great reward. Question, do you believe that? Do you believe that? God's Word is the believer's source of truth and of wisdom. It should be prized. It should be valued in a believer's life. Memorizing Scripture for us helps us to uh, lean on its truths and, and in all of seasons and all the different situations of life. The law of the Lord is perfect. It's sure. It's right pure it's true it revives the soul it gives us wisdom it brings joy and understanding it endures forever we should desire it more than gold or honey all those things that we desire in life we should desire this more than anything else because it is what helps us stay the course in life and guides our life in christ it gives us courage think about all those descriptive words right think about those Uh, and all the benefits of those descriptive words. In a world full of lies, right? And that's what we all feel right now because you can't turn on a news story and, and, and you, without wondering whether or not it's true, right? We just heard a news story about Philadelphia on a train and we didn't know what, and, and people are saying that's not true, that didn't happen. Other people are still saying it's true. I don't know what's true. You cannot seem to trust anything anymore. In a world full of lies, a world of sort of sinking sand, don't you want some solidity? Yes, I do. And I'm gonna, I'm, I, I tell you very confidently, as your pastor and as your friend, as your Christian brother, man, the Word is where you find it. It is where you find it. Even when it doesn't seem that way, give it time. You know, as some of you know, a few of us do ministry Uh, with Prison Fellowship, the Christies and Moses and Zoe. And, uh, and every Monday and Wednesday, for about two hours, starting at four o'clock, we're on a Zoom call, uh, or at least some of us are on a Zoom call on those days, with nine prisoners in maximum security in Chester. And three of those guys are Muslims, and uh, a few of them, more than a few of them, I think, are lifers for murder. Um, funny thing was this past Monday, I'm sitting there on my Zoom call in my home office and my son uh, opened the door and started crawling across the floor so he couldn't be seen, but I moved the Zoom camera so that all the guys could see him. And, um, and they, they, immediately they said, oh, little guines. They go, don't worry, we're just a bunch of prisoners. <laughs> and then they all started laughing. They've got this great sense of humor. They're really, they're really great guys. And uh, And we spoke this past Monday a lot about trust, you know, trusting each other, trusting people, you know, and that, that meeting centered on a couple of verses. One was Matthew 7.15, which says, watch out for false prophets, right? They come to you. I think I wrote cone, didn't I? Yeah, they cone, they cone to you. No, they come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves, Right? And 1 Peter 3.10, whoever would I th live life, I'm not sure if that says love. I might have mistyped that one too. <laughs> and, and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. Right? And so we talked a lot. We asked them, you know, how do you know, how do you deal with people who, uh, 
that, that can't be trusted in your life. You know they're kind of scamming you. You know they're trying to get over on you, but you have to deal with them. How do you deal with those people? What keeps us from trusting other people? You know, what are those things in life that keep us from doing that? And what does distrust do to a relationship? We've all experienced that. We've all been on one side or the other of that. At one point, one of the Muslims asked me to pray for another guy in the, in the, in the group. And I, I, you know, it was funny. I was sitting there and the Holy Spirit was saying, pray for this guy, pray for this guy, pray for this guy. But I, you know those moments, sometimes you don't, you're not obedient. So God made me be obedient through the Muslim. <laughs> he, he said, could, Pastor Jason, could you pray for him? I'm like, sure, sure. So it was a, just a divine moment to be asked to pray for another guy in the group by a Muslim. That was really cool. But I couldn't help to think, you know, that what if they had memorized, like Phyllis, right? What if they had memorized those verses, those two verses at eight years old? What if they had done that? Would they be sitting in that room? Does the scripture have that kind of power, right? You know, would they have been better prepared to set healthy boundaries with people that were sort of deceptive with them, you know, and, you know, between themselves and those ferocious wolves out there promising them the world, but only ending them up in prison. Where are all their false prophets now that said to them, to be a real man, you got to shoot and kill that guy? Where are they now who told them that the only opportunity they, they, they have is to get, ahead, and to get ahead in life is to rob and to steal and to sell drugs and things like that. How would their lives have been different today if they had embraced Christ at a young age and kept their tongues from evil and their lips from deceitful speech? What if that word was embedded in their hearts? And you got to wonder that, right? You got to wonder that. Time didn't allow for me to point out to them that in a world where everyone seems to lie to us, that there is one person that they can trust, and that is Jesus. That Jesus, including his word, including all of the scriptures, struck me when I first came to faith in him, that he was full of integrity, that he did not lie to me, and that he did not shy away from difficulty when it came to paying for my sin, that he can be trusted. The one person. I wanted to read to them 1 Peter 2.22. He committed no sin. Think about this. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. Do you know anybody that you could say that about? No, you do not. Every, I, I told them this and I'll tell you the same thing. Everyone in this room will fail you. Every single person in this room will break your trust. Now, you can mitigate sort of the effects of that in how you set boundaries with people, right? And, and to whom you really give your heart to. But there is only one person in this whole world who is absolutely perfect and who, who is without deceit, and that is Jesus. That's who we worship. That's powerful. The psalmist writes to encourage his readers to embrace God's word 
an invaluable sort of uh, expression of God's wisdom, right? The metaphors the psalmist uses refer to the great value of God's word in terms of effects on those who observe them. Uh, It causes integrity and causes loyalty in us. It causes uprightness in, in us. It causes purity within us. It causes our growth in righteousness. And the efficacy of God's Revelation is set forth by the synonyms of the law, sort of the, the characteristics of the word and the benefits, uh, beneficial effects uh, on, on, on godly people, on, on people that are walking with Jesus. The word of God is in, it, in, in itself, in its revelatory sort of qualities and its transforma- transforming effects in the godly is therefore sort of like a greater value than most of the most valuable things that we can think of out there in the world. It is the most valuable thing that we have. It keeps us wise and on the narrow path by forewarning us of possible pitfalls and and by guiding us into the rewards of godliness. Sorry, I'm having trouble with my thing. It guides us into life. It guides us into God-given joy. It, 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 It gives us wisdom. It gives us contentment. And it really does. I love that story that she told. How God prepared her as an eight-year-old kid for her life in front of her. In our meeting with the prisoners, we asked them, what are three values that you would like to impress on your children? Because they, they, a few of them have multiple children, a few of them just one. But many of them said things like, you know, I want, them, I want to impress honesty in them, integrity in them, you know, things like that. And those are good things. Those are good values, obviously, where they should And I thought long and hard about that question myself. If I had only three things that I wanted to impress on my children, what would they be? And I I think, I hope I've left my kids with three key values in this world. The first two much more important than the third. But firstly, it's the love of God, including his word, including the scriptures, right? And then love of others, right? Where do I get that? From Deuteronomy, right? Um, And love of God's creation, Love of God, love of others, and love of God's creation. Because if I have those three, it seems like everything else will fall into place, right? It's the essence of Matthew 6.33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Jesus showed us by example uh, the importance of hiding Scripture in our hearts. He, He quoted 24 books of the Old Testament almost 180 times in the New Testament. You ever think about that? Jews for Jesus on their, uh, their website have a list of Christ's references to the Scripture in his ministry, and it's extensive from the Sermon on the Mount to his teaching on honoring parents to Isaiah to Hosea to the Ten Commandments and all kinds of things. You can access that list in the written sermon by tomorrow. There's a link in there. I think I left it in there. Um, but it's an interesting list. K.J. Ramsey tells a story about uh, how Scripture memorization helped her endure a season of sort of debilitating pain and, and deep emotional fear when she said this. She said, a month after I turned 20, my body suddenly became a place of pain rather than possibility. And in a matter of I I could no longer walk because of severe joint pain and inflammation. I sat on my dorm bed, and uh, and for a few minutes I tried to uncoil my swollen hands to turn the pages of my Bible to no avail. 
in that suffering, the word hidden in my heart started countering my fear, right? So she had already sort of really taken the word into herself. And I was confused and craving comfort, but God's story was alive inside of me. That's a good way to think about it, isn't it? Welcoming me me into the wonder that I am loved at my weakest, and that re- the rest of that article focuses really on how neuroscience reveals the keys to helping Scripture make its way into our lasting autobiographical memory, right? When, when we engage the Bible first and foremost as a relationship with the living God, and, and it activates the parts of our brain you know, needed to encode the story of Scripture into that memory, into a, that autobiographical memory. And further, as we engage the world the word in our whole sort of our whole bodies, our whole selves, when we write it, we speak it, we listen to it, we draw it, we we imagine it. You know, when I was a in, in college, I, I was drawing the the proverbs. I would I would as an artist, I would sit there and do a drawing of each proverb. You know, it it helps things to get into you and stuck into you, right? Uh, my wife often journals you know quite a bit I've, I've gone through long ports, points where I've journaled the scriptures as well and and it all that helps it to connect it re- reflectively to our stories to our lives and we are able to absorb it in a way that connects the multiple multiple systems of our brains having scripture hidden away in your heart or within your heart can get you through through the most terrible of times as Phyllis has said But there's another remarkable story of endurance I've told before, but it's really worth retelling. I only told it a couple months ago. Maybe you were here, maybe you weren't, but if you were, you'll benefit again. It's about uh, Dimitri, a guy, I think he was in Russia, a believer who was imprisoned for his faith, and he was the only believer among 1,500 hardened criminals in this giant old prison. And his tormentors were unable to break him during this time. And Dimitri pointed out two sources of strength in this, this face of torture. Um, every morning at daybreak, Dimitri would wake up during his 17 years of prison and he would stand at attention by his bed and he would face the east and he would raise his arms in praise to God and he would start to sing this one song to Jesus every single day for 17 years. Dimitri uh, recounts sort of the mocking that he got for that, his laughter, the cursing, the jeers. They would bang their cups on the, on the bars of, of the prison Uh, their prison cells in protest for it. They would throw food at his cell. They would throw excrement at his cell to get him to silence himself. And he was the only light in that whole prison, right? And another discipline that, that sustained Dimitri was, you know, and Nick Ripken, if you ever want to read the book, it's called The Insanity of God. Nick Ripken tells a story and uh, he would scribble down Bible verses and scripture stories and songs on scraps of paper that he would find in the prison. And jailers who saw this would take the pieces of paper and rip them up and throw them out, and then they would beat him for this. And the day after, uh, the day arrived when Dimitri was going to be ex- executed. And so they, they called him out, they drug him down the hallway, and just before they go out to the door leading into the courtyard where he was going to be executed, uh, 1,500 of these hardened criminals, all the rest of the prisoners, stood up in their cells right by their beds and they all faced east and they began to sing. So, oh, 
Dimitri tells uh, Ripken that it sounded to him like the greatest of choirs in all of history, right? So all these inmates raised their arms singing the very same song that Dimitri had sung for 17 years every morning. And Dimitri's jailers, at that moment, they released their hold on his arms and, one, and they backed up from him. And one of them said, who are you? And he said, I am a son of the living God, and Jesus is his name. Amen to that, right? What happened? The guards returned him to his cell. And soon after, he was released to his family. That was the result of this. And I, I can't help to think that if Scripture can sustain such a guy like that in a, such a situation like that, what can it do in your life, right? What can the living Word of God do in your life? David Pallison, a Christian counselor, speaking to the power of hiding the word in your heart uh, and applying it to yourself, uh, calls it this. He says, putting the rivet between the text and your life now. Isn't that great? Putting the, the rivet between the text and your life now. It can't be that bad, can it? But <laughs> um, and then he brings up, you know, he, he, he poses the question to us. In a world that is filled with anxiety, f- filled with worry, think about how much you worry about, how, mu- how much anxiety is in your life about whatever it is facing you. Think about Philippians 4, 6 through 8. Listen to, the, listen to these words. Do not be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving... Present your request to God. There is something about our ability to make a choice here, right? And the peace of God which transcends all understanding because that doesn't make any sense in the world's logic. Which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Now add to that, verse 8, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Amen. How often do we think garbage, right? So do yourself a favor this week. Zero in on one verse or one short passage where Scripture is living in your life that you really need it. Maybe it's Philippians 4, 6 through 8. And commit it to memory and see what God does through that. And then, beyond that, add another one and then another one and another one until you find yourself pickled in the Word of God, right? And experiencing all the benefits of it. And as you do that, you just review verses, including their references that you've already memorized, and picture them on the page, say them out loud, use note cards to do this, and, and write them out and keep them with you, you know, in your car, in the bathroom, in the kitchen, wherever you are, and review them in quiet moments over and over again, saying them without looking at the card and then checking yourself for accuracy. Get them into you. Because God's word is the believer's source of truth and wisdom. It should be prized. It should be valued in life. Memorizing scripture helps us to lean on the truths of it in all seasons and all situations of life. Let me end just quickly with 10 reasons why we should memorize scripture. Jesus did. 
right? He's our model. We're called to do it. We're called to hide it in our hearts. It renews our mind and transforms our mind. It helps us against temptation. It, it helps us to live in obedience. It brings God's blessing to our lives. It, it allows us to, be, to more readily encourage each other, other believers, and it allows us also to be more apt to share with unbelievers who need to hear it. It gives us a better understanding of God and His will, and it makes us wise. The Bible is a book of tremendous wisdom which can have an impact in every area of life. It's a shame that we walk throughout life not knowing that or not, not acknowledging that. And by, by script, memorizing Scripture, we're able to have wisdom at all times within us. Making the Bible our supreme treasure, whether it be a few verses or longer passages or even memorizing whole books of the Bible, there is no better investment of your time than hiding God's Word in your heart and seeing what it does in you. And to get you started, I have passed out that list of verses so that you can have some good verses to start with, and I hope you'll begin to incorporate this practice into your life and and into your spiritual rhythm that we've talked about in the past. And I also want to point out that in light of this sermon, I, I ordered this little pack of Scripture memory cards. It's like 100 different verses, and, and I pulled out a few things. There's a, they have this little uh, sort of process that they give you on how to memorize with three different piles. And, and then they have each, each card has like got these little symbols on it that you know, one's a promise, one's a command, you know, that kind of thing. And it just has different verses. So like if you were struggling with, you know, a sin in your life, you needed to stay away from something or whatever, maybe you, you memorize Hebrews 2.18, right? And what I like about these is it says Hebrews 2.18, when you flip it, it's right side up. I like that. So it's not like, and it says, because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted, right? Or 1 Corinthians 10, 13, right? Um, you turn it over, no temptation has seized you except for what is common to man, and God is faithful. When you are tempted, he will provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. I memorized that a long time ago. Hope I got it right. Maybe I didn't. I don't know, but maybe I'll have to review that. But these are just really great practices for us as we walk out our faith with Christ. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you. I, I thank you that you are here, you are present. It doesn't matter um, how perfectly we do this, but it does matter that we do it, that we move forward with you, that we walk with you, that we, we, we desire to uh, make effort in our spiritual formation. We thank you that salvation is an absolute gift of your grace and that your grace sustains us daily as we make our mistakes and we fumble through this. But we pray, Father God, that our heart and our mind would not be satisfied with that, that we would be pushed forward to get better, to grow deeper, to get stronger in who we are as believers so that we can be more effective in your hands for your kingdom. We want our lives to glorify you. So we ask that you would fill us up, just fill us up with your word, fill us up with understanding, and that we would have, we would have the ability, like Natalie talked about earlier, to live in that radical middle where we value these things on this side, but we are pursuing a really deep, active life with you in your spirit. We thank you, Father, 
that you are King of kings, you are Lord of lords, and that you have done everything that we need to walk with you well. And in Christ's name we pray. Amen. We have a